Great to have you guys here. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. So glad you guys are here. Okay, now I need everyone to be praying for my Texans. This is a big day for us. All right? I need your help. I need someone to pull with me here, okay? So look, I've already bought your prayers today. You got a free t-shirt, all right? Help me out. Come on, Cowboy fans. I know you're there. Just pray, all right? That's all I'm asking. So, hey, do you notice on your shirt, too, by the way, I don't know if you caught this. You see the, see the numbers at the bottom? You know what that is, those numbers? Those are the coordinates to every church and limited campus. How cool is that, right? So I just thought that was kind of cool. So hope you guys like that shirt. Again, thanks for being a, being a part of our services today. Please take one shirt. This is not, like we said earlier, Black Friday sale. It's not that. Don't mob each other, okay? But please enjoy your shirt. We're glad you guys are here. Please wear that to the gym. Wear it out. We want you to do that. Again, thanks for being a part. Glad you guys are here and a part of this series. Let's say our mission statement together. We always like to start our services with that, sort of our messages with that. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. I'm excited about Launch Your Life because I believe that God wants to launch your life into what he has for you. And so this is a year for that to begin. We're starting a new decade. This is a great opportunity. In fact, back in March, uh, excuse me, back in May of 1961, our president at the time, John F. Kennedy, made a shocking announcement and challenged publicly to our, uh, our national space program, which was called NASA. Uh, and their, their challenge was, he said, I want us to put a man on the moon in the next decade. Before the decade closes out, I want to put a man safely on the moon and return him back to the earth. Well, NASA took that challenge, and the men and women of NASA got busy. They thought it was going to take 15 years, but now Kennedy has said under 10. So they recalibrated all the dates to do this, and they actually pulled it off. And on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong took that first step onto the moon. And we all know what he said, right? Wasn't it amazing to, to, to watch it? Some of you guys got to watch that live. That's incredible. Uh, I just have watched the videos like many of us as well. But it's so powerful. He took one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It was an incredible step. It was an incredible move uh, that our country, an incredible feat. And by the way, when we did that, we did that with less technology than is in my G-Shock watch today way less technology than is in your iPhone today. They put a man on the moon and brought him home. Now think about that. If we could do that with, with the technology we had back in, in the 1960s, then what is possible for you and I today? Not to mention what is possible for you and I today with the power of God behind us. It's incredible what you can do. Sometimes we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. And so I'm excited to talk to you about this next decade, but that begins today by launching your life into what God has next for you. So pull out your notes if you want to give you some things to write down. In fact, if you don't know where your notes are, they're on your Church Unlimited app. So download that app and you just click on notes and all the notes I'm preaching from, everything I have, you have as well. So I want to encourage you to get the app today at the App Store, Church Unlimited. Download that and just click on notes and you'll have all the notes right there in front of you. Or you can go old school, grab a pen, and a piece of paper and take some notes today because I want to give you some things to write down. Today's message is called Launch Your Life, how we can take those steps. I'm excited too. Next week, you don't want to miss. I'm going to be interviewing my father next week and uh, we're going to be clipping that down to, to give you some great content because my father worked for NASA during the Apollo missions. I, I grew up in Houston, South Houston. Uh, the first part of my life uh, was down there uh, right off of NASA Road 1 and uh, he worked during all the Apollo missions. In fact, my dad was in the room. It's kind of cool. In history, my dad was in the room when, uh, they, when they said the eagle has landed uh, and they were talking to mission control in Houston. My father was in the room when that 
happened in that moment in history. So he's got some great stories to share. And so we'll be talking more about that. I don't want to give it all away today, but you don't want to miss next week as we kind of unpack that. And so be sure to be here for that. So let's dive right in. I, want to, I figure if we're going to talk about launching your life, let's talk about today then how God launched life. How did he actually launch life? Well, it goes back all the way to Genesis chapter one. If you've got your Bibles or your Bible app, you can turn to Genesis chapter one. We're just going to start at the very beginning. I figured that's where he started. We should start there too. So let's read this. Check it out. Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God. How many things in your life have not gone well because it started in the beginning, me? In the beginning, I did this. In the beginning of our relationship, I did this, or they said that, or it all started with you rather than God. In the beginning of my career, it was all about me. In the beginning of my relationship, it was all about us and not about him. In the beginning of many things in our lives that we didn't start with God, it doesn't go well. When you don't start with God, it doesn't end well. But when you start with the Lord, it's amazing what God can do. Just want to encourage you at this beginning of the year, why don't you start with God? Saying, God, I want you to do something spectacular in my life. I want to make this year all about you, honoring you, serving you, putting you first. And if you'll do that, it's incredible what God will do with you if you'll just start this year by saying, in the beginning of 2020, God. So before we go any further, can we just acknowledge that we need to start with the Lord and say, God, we give you our all. We want to put you first. We want this year to be about you, not about us. It's about what you want for us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. You may want to write the word void down. Another translation says it was void. It means there was something missing. In the beginning, the earth was formless and void and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I wonder what that looked like for the Spirit of God to be hovering over the surfaces of the waters. I wonder if it looked something like this. What am I going to do here? There's something missing right here. I want to do something here. You see, there was two creations. The first creation was when God thought of it. The second creation is when he did it. And I think today we're in the thought process of creating the life that we want. We have to think about it before we do it. I mean, we've been doing without thinking for quite a while, haven't we? Maybe we should slow down and think about our actions. Maybe for you, you that word void or that word empty found there in Genesis 1 really speaks to you because you say, Pastor, honestly, when I look at my life right now, there's an empty space. There's a void. I'm missing something. What is it that you're missing? Maybe you say, you know, as a couple, we're missing a baby. Maybe we're missing that loving feeling we used to have. We're missing that passion. Maybe for you, you say, I'm missing a walk with God. I'm missing happiness. I feel depressed all the time. Maybe you're, you're missing stability in your life. Maybe you're missing health. What is it that there's a void in your life right now? Because if you want something great to happen, you have to understand the future belongs to those who create it. Our God is a creator and he asks us to follow him and to be like him. He says, be God-like, be godly. That means we mimic God. So he wants you to create the life where there's a void. You can create something. You may say, well, right now I feel a little empty. Well, let's just make sure a year from now that that void is filled. But the first thing God wants to fill the void with is him. It says in the word that, that he wants to fill us with his spirit. But you know what we do? We kind of, we, we find all kinds of things to be void fillers, don't we? Let me just list a few of the things that I know that we typically in the world typically want to fill our lives with. Here's some things, maybe some of these are immoral, some of them are moral, 
Some of them are amoral. They have no moral morality attached to them either way. But oftentimes we try to fill our lives with things. Maybe for you it was alcohol or partying, drugs. Maybe for you it was just a wrong relationship. You just made it about the other person or about you or about each other rather than about the Lord. Maybe for you it's excessive TV, internet, maybe, maybe just spending your life looking at social media all the time. Maybe for you, you're literally filling yourself with food. You ever tried that? You know, do a little food therapy. Man, I'm just kind of depressed. I just want to go eat, right? It's amazing how fast you get to the bottom of that tub of ice cream, isn't it? You're like, wow, I can't believe I just did that. How did that just happen, right? And so we, we try to fill ourselves. But have you noticed that you can, it's amazing the things you'll end up doing just to fill a void. Maybe you'll, you'll find yourself in, in, in the wrong bed because you're trying to fill a void, doing things you never thought you would do just to try to fill the void. Have you figured out yet that all the things the world says will fill the void, if you try them, they actually leave you more empty? They leave you less satisfied. They, they actually widen the void. They widen the gap. And you realize, wow, that stuff just doesn't satisfy. Because that's the lie the world's perpetuating. But the truth is, is that God is who wants to fill you with his purpose, with his promise, with his plans. He has so much to do. He wants to fill us with who he is so we can begin to become his people. He says, I want to be your God. I want to walk with you. That's what he did in Genesis 1. He walked with Adam. He said, I'm in the garden with you. I'm with you. I, you're my people and I am your God. That's how God wants to. He wants to fill the void in your life. Quit trying to put other people and other things in there because it just won't satisfy. So I want to challenge you, number one, to let God work in the middle of your void. Let God work in the middle of your void. Would you write that down? He says this in Revelation chapter one. I figure we start in Genesis one. Let's go all the way to the end of the book. Revelation chapter one. He says this. I am the alpha and the omega. That means the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the almighty. So before the world began, there was God. He was there. He, he's always been there. No, our minds rationally have a hard time just thinking that, that, well, who created God? That's a great question people always ask. Well, that's just it. Even if you think someone created God, then who created the God who created God? So at some point, you have to stop this and realize, at some point, there was just someone or something that was just there. God says, it's me. I always was. And so before time began, there was God. So if you back up 6,000 years to the beginning of history, uh, for those of you who espoused that, some people say, oh, no, there's, I think there's many more years. Fine, add the amount of years you think there was, and then back up another day, and God was there. He was there at the very beginning. Oh, that's not what the experts say. You know, the experts say there was this, there was this gas, and it mixed together, and this and thing, and, and, and you took the gas and the, and the, 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 the rocks and the this, and, and they just, it just became this primordial mix that came together, and then out we popped. Okay, well, okay, let's back that up. So who made the gas? Where'd that come from and, and, and this mixture you're talking about? And who mixed it? I'm just curious, since, since we know that that goes against every law of physics there is, that there had to be some kind of reaction to the action taken against it. So then who was the great mover? At some point, you're well, there must have been, oh, no, 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 I've heard some of the experts. They said that there was probably like some life form from some other planet and that we all came from that life form. Awesome. So all we did was move the address of where who started it all. So who started it there? See, at some point, we have to realize someone put this in motion. In the beginning, God. And that's the most scientific thing I'll say today. Because someone had to start it. So talking to my dad about NASA, I said, Dad, back in the 60s when you were there, I mean, what was it like? And he said, well, the smartest people on the planet were all working there. They hired them all. It's like, really? He goes, oh, yeah, we have people from all over the world. And uh, they, were, they were the smart. And I said, that's amazing. So was there a lot of atheists? He said, actually, no. 
Most of the scientists were Christians. And today we somehow think that most of the scientific community is a bunch of atheists. But I simply would argue that that's not true. We are listening to the loud minority. If you go into the most scientific research communities, you'll discover there's a lot of scientists that actually, because of the evidence they're finding, they actually believe there is a God. And so just know that you don't need to check your brain at the door to believe and in, in, in have faith in God because there's lots of evidence. God has let his creation be discovered by, by many people. He wants you to discover who he is by looking at his handiwork. So let God be in the middle of your void. Let him begin your story this year. Let's keep moving. Genesis chapter one, verse three. Then God said, so now he's, he's, he's overseen where there's a void. He wants to put something there, which by the way means that, you know, there was a void with God. God had a void. So what, are, you, are you arguing that God was not whole, that he was not complete? Oh, no, no, God's whole and complete in who he is. But he chose to recognize he didn't want to do it alone any longer. So he made you and I. You fill his void. He longs to know you. Think about that. The God of the universe wants to know you. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And yet we lack confidence. Oh, you know, who am a little me? Who are little you? God created you. That's who you are. And he thinks you're so special. He sent his son to die for you. That's how special you are. He has put in plans in place for you before he, the foundations of the world. He's thinking of you. He thinks you're all that. He does. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. So then God created light. How did he create light? He spoke it into existence. God literally spoke and light came out. Isn't that amazing? You say, oh, so that means God made the sun here? No, actually, no, that's later. That's a couple days later. He was the light. Isn't that cool? He himself is the light. And by the way, every time I open God's word, it still lights up my life. How about you? It's so powerful. It literally illuminates. We just talked about this at Christmas Eve, about how his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It lights us up, doesn't it? And so whenever you find yourself in a place of darkness, you're like, I just don't know where to go. I feel like I'm trying to feel around in life. I don't know. I can't see anything. Go to God's word, open it up. It's amazing how it illuminates our life. It really, really does. What that means, number two, God's word illuminates your life. So I want to challenge you this year to get into the Word. If you really want this year to be different, get into the Word daily. So how do I do that? Well, you know what? There's these great apps now. They're Bible apps. You can get maybe the Version Bible app. That's the most popular one. It's great. My mentor in our church created that. It's a great app. And you can set it up to where once a day it pings and reminds you to read the Word. Isn't it funny how we set up all kinds of notifications on our phones to tell us someone tweeted about us or someone you know, posted something? We have all these notifications about news services to tell us you know, what's going on in the world, but yet we don't have anything pinging on our phone to tell us to get into his word. I want to challenge you to do that this year. I want to challenge you to get into the word. Maybe you like to go old school and actually have a physical book in front of you. That's fine. Or maybe you want to do it digitally. Either way, I want to encourage you. They even have audio Bibles. You can have it in your car or on your phone where you just play it and you get a certain amount of scripture every single day. I just want to encourage you to get into the word. You know, I can be standing in line at the local CVS and it's amazing how my mind, I don't know why I'm just drawn to those magazines. Are you that way? You know, I just want to know. I'm like, oh, who's a Kardashian dating now? You know, I, mean, I don't know why I care, but I, and I find myself drawn, you know, what's going on with Brad Pitt, you know, and what's going on with you? I don't know why I even care, but for some reason I'm drawn to that, right? Or maybe it's news magazines that you're drawn to, you know, who's mad at Trump now, you know? So we, you know, we're drawn to, you know, whatever the latest thing that's going on in the world. And so we find ourselves just, just hooked on that stuff. It's amazing. I never have anything stopping me from picking up those magazines. There's nothing ever stopping me from, from pulling out the news magazine or going to news app. But the moment I say, you know, I want to get into the Word of God. I'm going to read the Bible. It's amazing. My phone rings. I get interrupted. Stuff comes up. It's incredible how there's like there's some spiritual being out there trying to keep me from getting in this book. 
That's because the devil knows if you'll open this, it'll illuminate your life. And he doesn't want that for you. In fact, look what the Bible says about the devil. It says in John chapter eight, the devil has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's lying to you. He's not telling you the truth about who you really are. And so the reason why you need to get into God's work is when you do, you'll discover that you can do more than you thought you could do. You can have more than you thought you can have. You can go further than you thought you can go. That's what his word will tell you. It's all throughout this book. Keep this book open and your life opens up. So I want to encourage you to do that. I was reading a book this week by Buzz Aldrin, the second guy to touch down on the moon. 19 minutes after Neil Armstrong was out on the moon, uh, his friend Buzz Aldrin joined him and they walked on the moon together. I can only imagine what that was like. And so in this book, I, I thought it would just dive right into the Apollo 11 mission. That's the famous one where they actually went and they said, you know, famously said the eagle has landed, the whole thing. I thought that was going to dive into it. But he says, oh, before we can talk about that, he said, we need to talk about just getting off the ground. He, he said, the, the, the great feat wasn't breaking into the new atmosphere and going into orbit and going to the moon. That was incredible, of course. He said, but long before that, uh, we, we need to remember, it was, just, it was actually only a few decades earlier that two guys that were brothers off the coast of an area in North Carolina called Kitty Hawk, learned to fly. Well, a few years before that, their dad was a pastor. Milton Wright was a bishop. He went to a meeting with other pastors, and one of the pastors got up and said, you know, we are entering a new age of discovery, of invention. And this pastor said, I think one day man will actually be able to create some kind of machine to be able to fly. And Milton Wright was so upset, he stopped the meeting and said, that is heresy. The Bible says that only the angels can fly. That will never happen. That man went home and 20 years later, his sons proved him wrong and actually the one, were the first one to create flight. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. This, you know, we all know the story to where the, the, these guys, they, they, they wrote to the, because they lived in Dayton, Ohio. They wrote to the National Weather Service and said, where's the best place uh, for us to, to, uh, to fly large kites? They were, they were going to just in increase these kites and these, turn them into gliders and then eventually get them so big they could put a man on it. That, that was their idea that they had because they'd heard about a guy in Chicago that did that that actually crashed and died. They kind of forgot about the death part for some reason, but they, they got so excited about that someone actually had, had, had glided down. They thought, if you can glide down, I bet you can glide up. We just need to somehow create some kind of engine, some kind of propeller system to, see, to give this thing flight and to get it off the ground. So they, they, they wrote to the National Weather Service, discovered that area was Kitty Hawk. Kitty Hawk. North Carolina was the best place to do it. They had the, the biggest gusts of wind. So if they caught the right gust of wind, they could get up in the air. And so, and then uh, they went there by train. They built these gliders and then attached uh, rotor type, like motor engines to them that, that were basically like a boat motor. Uh, and they, they thought we can use the same kind of engine and we can create some kind of propeller system. So that's what they did. And uh, the first time they actually flew, months into doing this, they flew for 12 seconds, 120 feet. And by the end of the day, they'd flown 59 seconds in length. Uh, they were so excited about it, they, they telegrammed, you know, one of those new inventions was called a telegram. They telegrammed their sister and their dad back home and said, hey, we actually flew 12 seconds at the shortest today and 15, 59 seconds at the longest, we'll be home for Christmas. His sister got so excited, she took it to the local newspaper there in Dayton because they owned a bike shop. They were kind of well-known in Dayton. And, uh, and, and she said, uh, hey, my brothers flew for, for 59 seconds today and they'll be home for Christmas. The Dayton paper took it and they ran the most exciting news of the day, which was that the boys who own the bike shop will be home for Christmas. <laughs> they didn't even mention flying. Didn't even mention it. But that was the first day they flew. But you know what's really cool about the story that most people don't know? We think of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina is where they flew. But actually, you know what the name of the hill they flew off of was? It was called Kill Devil Hill. And if you're going to get up off the ground in your life, you got to kill the devil speaking to you, trying to limit you, trying to tell you what you're not, 
You got to kill that stuff. Before you can go in orbit, you got to catch flight. And so it's time to do that. Next week is all about getting into orbit, by the way. You don't want to miss that. Next week, you're going to be surprised how fast you actually can get in orbit in your life. Don't miss next week as we talk about that. But let's first get off the ground. And how do you do that? You let God fill your void. You start with God. And number two, God's word will illuminate your life. It will guide you. God will lead you through his word. What's next? Check it out. Genesis chapter one, verse six. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Now, I just want to point out here a couple things. Um, well, I want to point out one big thing. that Basically, you had this rock, the earth, and the water was completely surrounding it. You couldn't even see the rock. And so it was completely surrounded. So he said, we need to separate this out. What was God doing? He said, I need to make some space to work here. So he separated the waters so that there was sky now so that he could work. Now, let's see what happens next, the next day. Verse nine, then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And this was what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas, and God saw that it was good. Notice he keeps saying he saw that it was good after each thing he creates. I wonder if there's some things that we've created in our lives that, that aren't good, right? I love the fact he didn't move on to the next day until he saw what he did the last day and that it was good. And he was like, okay, this is good. Okay, now let's move on. Well, let me, let me tie this all together. Check it out. He says in verse 11, then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, all sorts of seed bearing plants and the trees with seed bearing fruit. And God saw that it was good. He said that again. And evening passed, morning came, marking the third day. So at this point, we've created something on each day. And he says, hey, let's just not create plants. Let's create plants with seeds or seed bearing plants. Why would that be important? Otherwise, God would have to create every tree there is. Instead, he creates a whole grouping of trees that have seeds. Those seeds get picked up by the wind and thrown around. They end up on the ground, right? What happens? The water waters them, and then all of a sudden new trees pop up. Let me ask you something. Could it be that you created something in your life that's unsustainable? In other words, you're like, some people are, oh, I want to make a lot more money this year. So you think, I'll just work more hours. So I, I want to break that you figured out. I'm making 60,000. If I work this many hours, I can make 100 grand this year. That's great. I hope you do. But the problem is if it's all hourly wage, guess what? You got to work 80 hours a week. Is that sustainable? No. So why don't we figure out ways to earn income? I don't have time to unpack this completely, but why don't we get some seed bearing things, put some things in place that begin to make money for you rather than you doing all it yourself. Just a little hint found right here in the word of God because it's unsustainable. Maybe you say, oh, I'm in a relationship and we really love each other and we've been together for months. Are you fighting all the time? I mean, I know you love each other because you're committed to that, but is it nonstop? Well, I know I shouldn't have said this and then they did this or did that. And so we got mad at each other and we broke up and we got back together and broke up. And so but you're always fighting? Is that sustainable? No. So I mean, I mean, in other words, did you ever stop to look back at the relationship and say, is this good? Or how are we functioning? Is this good? That job you have on, making a good living, but are you miserable doing it? Is it sustainable? Is it good? So we have a hard time doing this because if we, if we have to look back at what we're doing, we may find out that something's not, not good. So we have to take a hard look and just say, is this good? And it doesn't mean you have to throw everything away. It may just mean, how do we make this good? So make sure you stop when you're creating the life that you want, that you actually stop and say, how's it going? Is this sustainable? Is this good? What are the seeds we're throwing off here? Is this healthy or unhealthy? Is it good? couple things I want to point out too. Uh, just real quick on the days that God created. The first day, he created the heaven and earth, heavens and the earth. The second day, the sky. The third day, dry land and plants. The fourth day, stars and the moon and the sun. So not till day four do we have the sun. Day five is the birds and the fish. Day six is land, animals, and people. Now, let me tell you why this matters. What if God had created the people the first day? Well, that sounds really cool. 
The only problem is we all would have drowned because <laughs> there was no dry ground. Can you imagine if he had made all the land animals and then he separated the water, you know, to make land? All the little puppies would have drowned. All the birds, uh, birds there would have flown around, had no tree to land on, and just plopped down in the water and died. And so God didn't do that. Apparently, order to God matters. Order's a big deal. That may seem kind of simple. Like, oh, come on, it's not a big deal. But, but, but think about your life. Is there an area of your life that's not going well? Could it be that you got the order wrong, right? I know we got a lot of singles that come to our church. And so you know, maybe you're like, yeah, I've kind of been in and out of relationships and you know, I'm waiting for God to bring me the right person. I'm a Christian. I was dating this person. They were, they were a Christian too. That's great. You're both Christians. We're glad that, that that's important. The Bible's very clear that we should date believers that have the same faith that we do. And, and that's important. But, but did you jump on the sack the moment you met them? Because that's getting the order wrong. Doesn't matter how much you love God. They love God. If you're jumping the sack, guess what? You got the order wrong. God says not to do that, to get to know each other, to, to build a relationship to where you, it's built on a friendship. You really connect to one another and then you commit to spending your life with them. Then once you actually go walk down the aisle and say yes to God and yes to each other, this is it for life, then you can jump in the sack all you want. There's an order, right? Now I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to, let's just be honest. Have you messed up the order and then wondered why things were kind of a mess? Maybe for you, you're like, you know what? Forget all this education. I don't like school. I'm just gonna go make a lot of money. Yeah, good luck with all that. So you have no specialized training at all, but you expect someone to pay you top dollar. You got the order wrong. You know, you say, well, man, Pastor, you're kind of busting my chops right now. I mean, no, no, I'm just trying to help you understand. It's okay if you got the order wrong. Just go back and fix that. It's okay. Do you know people that go back to school do far better than young people in school? Did you know that? You know why? They appreciate it. Because like, oh, no, I'm going to learn this because, because I didn't learn it earlier. I've been limited for too long, so I'm going to learn this, right? So it's okay. Just go back and get the order right. If you got the order wrong in a relationship, it's okay. It doesn't mean you have to end it. You just say, hey, we just need to acknowledge that God has a way to do this and we got the order wrong. Let's go back and get this right because I want God to bless this. God is a God of order. Even in scripture, he even wants order in his church. Did you know that? So order matters to him greatly. And so just get the order right. And so number three, I want to challenge you to order your steps to create your future. Order your steps to create your future. Look what it says in Psalms 37 says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So God's going to show you the next step to take in your life. You say, man, I've messed up the steps. It's okay. Just take a couple steps back and reorder, get the order right, and then begin to take those steps. Now, when you begin to walk in faith, though, you're going to take some new steps you've never taken before, which means you're going to probably, oh, step in it. Anybody know what I'm talking about by stepping in it? You're like, what smells? Oh, no. I stepped in it. And then what do you do? You try to get off. You're like, oh, let me. And then you go, oh, great. Now it's on two shoes. Oh, great. Now it's, and then it's just spreading, right? You're trying to, you know the best way to get something off your shoe that you don't want there? Just keep walking. It'll fall off every step you take. Just want to encourage you, if you're going to take steps you've never taken, you're going to step in it a little bit. And it's going to stink and you're not going to like it. Keep going forward. It's okay. Don't stop. Just keep ordering your steps. God has a plan. In fact, what I want to challenge you to do is whatever that lofty goal or dream that God's put in your heart to do, instead of saying, I'm so intimidated, I can't do it. Instead of saying, I can't do it, when the Bible clearly says that that's wrong, that the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Instead of saying, I can't do it, stop and ask a question, how can I do it? Let God open your mind with faith and begin to say, okay, how is this possible? Is this even possible? What I really want is this, and it seems so unattainable, but other people have done this, so how'd they do it? And if I follow those steps, I bet I can do it too. 
How is this possible? Begin to ask that question. Change from I can't do it to how can I do it? And God will open your mind to how it's actually possible to pull it off. I mean, think about it. They created the steps to go to the moon. That's unbelievable. And they decided to go to the moon before they even had the technology to do it. And they had to create the technology as they went to even get there and back. Wow. So the most important thing today is not to know what to do next. The most important thing today is to decide to do it and let God show you how. This may surprise you, but you make the decision before you know how to do it. That's called living by faith. So I want to challenge you, number four, to make a decision. To make a decision. Look at Ephesians chapter one. God made a decision. Check it out. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. Oh, I remember that. Remember that, babe? You remember when we made plans to adopt the beautiful girl sitting next to you right now? That was some fun plans. A lot of details went into that. We were excited to do it. We planned long in advance until we brought her home. And she's been a nightmare ever since. What are you thinking? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, it was a joke. Sure. How many of you guys know that your miracles can talk back to you sometimes? You know what I'm talking about? No, I'm just kidding, I love you, just kidding. But the truth is this, you know what? Just like God said in his word, it was a pleasure planning for you. It was a pleasure making plans, I'm gonna stop, but bringing you home was such joy. God feels that way about all of us. He has been making plans to bring you into his family all along. Did you know that? He loves you long before the world was made. So when the void that he was looking at, when earth was just nothing, it was just an emptiness, he had an emptiness in his heart and he was longing to adopt you. He was thinking of you. Well, he must have been busy thinking about the universe. No, that's not what he's thinking about. He's going to put all that in place, but he was thinking, I wonder what that would look like for them. I want to put something in place that when they look up, they see my handiwork. He was planning it for you and I all along. From the, from the very beginning. He knew he would sin, we would sin, and so he knew he was there in community. It says Jesus was there. Did you know that? It was Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together, all making these plans. And so when God the Father realized he knew the future, he said, you know what? I know I'm going to make these people that are going to be my children, but I know they're going to sin. And so I wonder at that point if God spoke up to Jesus or Jesus spoke up to God and said, I got this. I'll take care of that. I've thought about that contingency. And when they sin, I'll go. I'll pay the price for their sin so they can be reunited to us. And so it was always God's plan to love you, to save you, to change you, to be here for you. It was always God's plan to adopt you from day one. That was his plan. So what do we do today with this, with this decision? What do we do? It says in Joel chapter three, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the Lord, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Did you know that uh, my, my father is kind of cool. My father worked on a lunar module that actually uh, had, had like a little bit lever and it would, it would control the rocket boosters. So they could, it was the portion of the, of the spacecraft that was built that landed on the moon. He worked on that part. It was kind of neat to, he had put a lot of the instrumentation in that. Uh, and so working on, on the, uh, the models that they used to, to be able to go before they went to, to practice. Well, in the actual landing, the Apollo 11, when they got to the moon, they did not expect this. When they got there, there was a giant crater where they were supposed to land. 
So they, they, they didn't anticipate that because they couldn't just go to Yelp and figure out who had already been to the moon and how that went and you know, where this is where you need to stay. There was none of that. It was like, they were it, they were the first there. So there was no one to tell them what they were gonna find before they got there. So when they got up there and they were about to land on the moon, they, they, they had a window and they looked and they saw there's a huge crater. We don't even know if it's safe. What if, we, what, if the, what if the powder, what if the dust is so thick that we lose a whole ship in it and we just die right there and there? They didn't know, they had no idea. So they thought we can't land here. So they had to go past the crater they had to go past the valley to land. You know how close it got? They had less than 15 seconds left of fuel when they landed. They almost had to abort the entire mission because of a crater they did not anticipate. Is there someone in here who's been wanting to abort their whole mission because of a crater they found themselves in? There wouldn't be anybody here today that feel like you're on the last bit of fuel you got and you're barely holding on because you did not anticipate this. Hold on. Trust God. He has a plan for you. And when you are in that crater, when you are in that valley, that's the place to make a new decision. The best thing you can do today is to say, God, I'm not where I want to be. There is this blank space. There's an emptiness. But today, I'm going to make a decision and say, God, fill me. Fill my emptiness with your purpose, with your plans. This is going to be a new year because in the beginning, God was with me and he thought about me all along. I know you have a plan, you have a purpose for me. So today I decide now at the beginning of this year to put you first, to honor you, to make 2020 all about you, Lord. Make a decision today. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment today. Will you make a decision? Pastor, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm just, I know you're out. You're almost out of fuel. I get it. I get it. But you know what? You're not. That last bit of fuel you got left, make a decision with it. Say, Lord, I'm not going to park in this valley. I will not stay in the crater. I'm deciding now with the last little rocket booster I got, I'm not going to park there. I will not abort the mission God has for my life, for my family, for my marriage. I will not abort the mission God has for my career. I will not abort the mission that God has for my finances. I will not abort the mission that God has for my health. I refuse to sit and just watch emptiness in my life. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. God has big plans for you. Make a decision today to trust your life in his hands. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, God sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me to pay the price for our sins. Before the world even began, he knew he was going to have to do this because he knows us. He knows we'd sin. So he sent his son. Jesus died on the cross for us and he rose again from the dead, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to individually receive him. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can receive Christ right now. Pray this with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sins. And I believe you rose again. Please come into my heart. Change me from within. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.